Welcome to Guilty Treasures, a podcast about everything you ever loved and were afraid to talk about. I'm your host, Ann Kern. And I'm also your host, Emily Cardamus. And this week we have on my friend Sky, who brought a very obscure PS2 game that uh, you had heard about a little bit, but I had no yeah. idea what it was, called Magic Pendul, or Magic Pengul. I don't actually know how it's pronounced correctly, uh, so hopefully one <laughs> of those two is right. Yeah, I mean, I think it was only the vague concept of having heard that it existed. <laughs> I don't think I know anyone who owned this game or played this game. I went through a phase at one point where I, I read gaming magazines pretty religiously even though I really only ever had one console so I'm not really <laughs> sure what what was up with that but yeah I think I I think I just sort of came across probably some sort of blurb or something like that yeah you just have this like vague cultural osmosis of video game titles and no yeah. other information about them pretty pretty much is the, that's the size of it yeah I heard someone whisper the name of this game at some point <laughs> years ago <laughs> I, I think it turned into a conversation that was like kind of about art kind of about like pre in nostalgia with like mm-hmm. certain pieces of media uh, which is something that is very like multiple people have had different experiences with different stuff like I think we talk about like sort of with the Ghibli movies that's kind of the mm-hmm. feeling that you get of sort of like this nostalgia and fond memories for a world that never was uh, and I, that's like a really interesting feeling that like media can evoke in, in you. Yeah and honestly I mean I think that's one of the interesting things that's happened when we've talked to somebody about a property that we're not familiar with especially like a video game that we haven't played and that we don't really know people who have played that you get this this sort of feeling from them of what made it stay with them and especially with an unusual game like this that tends to be you know it's it's more than just like everybody loves Mario right because the Mario games are great and everybody played them but then it makes it harder to figure out what is it about the Mario games that make them great and that give them staying power with an individual player so it's interesting to look at a game that we don't have context for and try and figure out what makes this game special to this person so it's sort of like a more it's like really personal video game history at that point yeah you basically get like a little tiny sliver of like a peek into someone's like personal little island and what makes them resonate with the the things that they do and that's that's really cool and like that's one of the really cool things that we've i think been able to like discover like doing this podcast so yeah and i hope that it's encouraging to creators of all kinds that whatever weird thing you're making whatever kind of negative review it may get there's probably somebody that it really landed with but with that let's just get right to our conversation and and our own the own the conversation island that we can share with you I never actually introduced Anne. Anne, this is Sky. Hello. We met because of uh, Vron's Discord server. Yes, I'm another one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just slowly bringing all of you on the podcast. I'm just glad. Like... And I have no awareness of how big this Discord is, so it's basically like a clown car for me at this point. Like, hey, <laughs> I mean... People keep piling out, but that's good. <laughs> great way to phrase it. But Sky, thank you so much for taking this time to come on the podcast and talk with us. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you. I'm so excited too. I've really been looking forward to this. If you want to just like introduce yourself, uh, maybe talk a little bit about what you do and then introduce the topic that you brought to talk about today. Sure thing. So my name is Skylar. Hello. I am a freelance artist, digital art. I do a number of different things, I guess. I kind of jump around, but mostly comic and game related. That's it. I just make things and hope for the best. (laughs) (laughs) So when you asked me to come up with a topic to bring on the podcast here, I thought about it for a while, and what I landed on was a very obscure PlayStation 2 game called Magic Pendulum. 
which at first I didn't know exactly why I landed on that because it's not like my absolute favorite thing, but it's definitely something that's more obscure and that I think is going to fit this a lot better for this podcast, for this format, and kind of leads me into why I end up picking it subconsciously, which is something I've already thought about, which is that I kind of love that nobody's ever heard of it. And so <laughs> I'm willing to give up a little bit about that to talk about it here. Yeah, I, I have no familiarity with this game. And have you, you said you might have heard of I it. I think but... I've heard of it. And I can't imagine in what context, but as soon as Emily told me the name, I was like, that feels like there's some really dim, distant bell ringing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've heard, I've seen this at some point, this name, but I don't know anything about it. For obviously both of us and whoever might be listening who might not be familiar with this game, which is probably uh, true, considering you mentioned how obscure it is uh maybe give like a quick rundown of like what it is or what it's about or or like what kind of game it is absolutely so first the meta of the game this is by taito a company that i think has been eaten by score enix since this game came out but it 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 was the company that made space invaders this game came out in 2002 the composer is the composer behind chrono trigger and the artists at studio ghibli came together to make this game okay what yes this game is a uh collectible monster game such as pokemon digimon monster rancher etc etc my favorite genre where the there is no like preset monsters the player draws them all and they are animated into 3d in real time as the player is designing them it is wild it's beautiful the game is bizarrely melancholy all the monsters are rendered in like cell shading while the rest of the game is like a more realistic but vibrant 3d and it is one of the most unique gaming experiences i've ever had because of all this together so how did you first find out about this game or when did you first get it i uh came out in the u.s in 2003 and i think that's when I got it. It could have been a year or two later. I don't know. It could have been a random Christmas present from a relative or someone who's just like, this looks like something (laughs) Skylar would like. Or I could have seen it like a Toys R Us store shelf and been like, this looks good for me. I don't remember how it came into my life. Perhaps it's been here with me always, but (laughs) it has. And I'm glad it did. Yeah, I'm waiting for the moment where it's like, that game hasn't existed. That game was never published 50 years ago or whatever. Like, God. (laughs) Yeah, I really don't remember where it came from, but I've put countless hours into it. And it's one of the few games I have beaten all the way through, which is something I don't do a lot of, especially with JRPGs. I love them, but I I don't have a lot of time or patience, really. So for there to be, I mean, JRPG in the loosest sense that I finished, that gets extra points in my book. Was it an easy game to get into? I mean, because it sounds like kind of a bizarre concept. Like at the time, do you remember if it was you were immediately hooked or it took you a while to kind of understand what it was and why it was appealing? Yes. I remember reading the back of the box before playing it because that's what you do, I guess. And (laughs) it talked about how you create the creatures yourself and battle them and et cetera, et cetera. And so that already had me hooked. And the game is good. There's a little introduction. The story is really good in this game, too, which I'll get into. But there's a brief introduction and then it's right into creating your first creature and so as a kid i was just like heck yeah i'm like nine ish i love this and it's good at getting you to the crux of the game real quickly and the battling system is very easy it is essentially rock paper scissors but there's (laughs) a lot of different rocks papers and scissors kind of depending on how you design your creature but it's very colorful the music is great it's just a world that immediately when i was playing it i wanted to live in and that is something that rings true to this day it's not a big world at all it's incredibly small but what it has is so it feels so jam-packed with 
creativity and just interesting things to see, and I love it very dearly. So it, it's something I took to just as myself pretty dang quickly. So you said you're, like, drawing these creatures. So are you, like, do you have to use, like, the, the like, sticks on the PlayStation? Because it's a PlayStation 2 game. So, like, I'm assuming you had to, like, use the sticks on the, like, controller to try to draw them. Like, how good, I'm trying to, like, picture how good you could get, <laughs> yes. like, drawing-wise. Because, like, that was always so hard for me. It's why I could never play Okami on the PlayStation 2, because I couldn't make the shapes. <laughs> it, it has an interesting uh, sense of, like, trial and error. If memory serves, now I haven't played it in a couple years, I think left stick moved your cursor, right stick moved the camera in 3D, and then holding oh down X would draw. And oh, so like, wow. you could, like, draw a circle, and it would generate a sphere. Or you could draw, like, a square, and it would generate a cube. Or a rectangle. Sometimes you had to kind of get lucky with the angle to get exactly the shape <laughs> you're hoping for. The creature designs were never super detailed, but there was also a pen to, like, do designs just flat onto the three-dimensional shapes that you unlock later. So that made it easier to get more expression and stuff in the, into them. Now, I remember, like, recreating a lot of just creatures I had designed on my own in the game. Like, before the game, I recreated them into the game, and I was pretty satisfied with them. And most of the time, they animate pretty well, too. Sometimes it could be a little janky, but that was rare. <laughs> One of those games where, like, everyone has a little bit of telekinesis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't even unlock, like, legs until halfway through the game, so most of your first creatures are just going to be hopping around. I don't know if there's a, a concise way to do this, but can you kind of walk us through the gameplay a little bit more? So, is the first thing that you do design your creature, and then you go through the game with the creature? What is the sort of mechanic of all this? Good question. The entire game is done from, I guess, first person. You never see your player. Everything is from your character's perspective. So you're able to move around like that. There is a little, like, home base where you draw your creatures and can store them and whatever. And that is where the story begins. There's an area you go through to get to a an arena where these creatures are battled. They're called doodles. That's what they call the creatures in this. The doodles, which is an appropriate name. And people battle doodles in their rock, paper, scissors-esque tournament, which is, like, attack magic and block, and then if you choose attack or magic, there's different attacks or spells you could do, and then block is always just block. Uh, but that's what I mean by it's like rock, paper, scissors, plus. So you compete in the tournaments in order to unlock new parts to be able to use, like the aforementioned legs, or like arms, or wiggly bits, or the pen that lets you draw faces. <laughs> I'm serious, you start the game with body and hard, and that's it. So you could draw like a blob with a horn. Although <laughs> oh, they, it could be whatever shape you want, it's just the function they have are body with horn. So you could draw like one plus shape horn with five bo or four bodies on either end of it, if that is something you were Oh would my like to. god. <laughs> and then it would just writhe around horribly. I also like, I'm sure they're not called like wiggly bits, but I really, really, really want them to be called wiggly bits. I, I, they might just be called wiggle. Like, I think it's- Oh my god. Gosh, yes! as good as that. Yes. When you win the tournaments, the big tournaments, you get the different parts. So it's almost Monster Rancher style in terms of it's just you mm. go to the tournament to win. But then when you win little battles along the way, you win the currency in the game, which is colors. And you have a set amount of different colors. And there's something like 30 to 40 different colors in the game. And those are literally the colors that you use to create your monsters. And you start with just like 30 red, 30 blue, 30 yellow, 30 green, or something like that. And as you're drawing your shapes, the, your color count goes down in the color you're drawing in. So you could create bigger creatures if you have more color. As you're competing and progressing the story, you're then able to go back and make more complex creatures and more ones that are better designed for combat than the blob with a horn that you started with. <laughs> like, oh, sweet. Now I've got 
head. So now there's like a head on top of the horn on top of my blob. You could go back and edit your creatures or you could just make new ones. The limit to how many you could have is set pretty much by how much space you have on your memory card. I went ahead and filled the card right up. I want it known that I'm like shaking a little bit because it's like small Emily would have lost her mind at this. (laughs) I'm a little like heartbroken that I never had this because like I would have, this would have been like candy to me of being like, I can just make my monster. Are you kidding me? That's amazing. It's something that I feel like would have been very popular had a lot of people seen it and nobody did. And so all this vibrant, fun, candy colored mechanics of this game are all wrapped up nicely by a very melodramatic and dark story, which it feels <laughs> out of place at first, but really works to make the game so memorable. There's like important character death and there's a whole section near the end where the entire world is drained of color because the powers that be, which I believe is a monarchy, kind of snaps and forbid anybody from using color in anything. And so this vibrant world you've been in the entire time is just a wasteland. The sound design works great with that and it really like stuck in my memory until now. I have not played the game since like I beat it when I was like 11. So it's definitely something that left an impact. And the characters are great, both the ones you fight in combat. And actually on that note, I guess there are some pre-designed monsters because all the ones you fight in the tournament are pre-designed. But there's so many, it's not like there's a dex of them. It's not like, like anything could be anyone. Like, oh, you're fighting this guy who's like a sailor? Well, he's got some like fish looking creatures that you're going to fight. Or, oh, this one, this is a florist and she's got this beautiful flower thing that you want to recreate so badly, but you don't have head yet. (laughs) Um... (laughs) You could also, like, buy different doodles from the different townspeople as you're, like, going to the stadium. And there's a black market and there's, like, a little area to train. It's a, it's really a nice world. that I, And I feel like I'm going to end up saying that a lot. And, yeah, the characters are very memorable. The main cast, quote-unquote, is a pair of siblings who you're helping to, like, not exactly save their farm, but save their farm adjacent. In that you have to, like, raise color by winning these tournaments to help them not get their land repossessed. There's a weirdly, I'm realizing, thinking back to it... Very, like, pro-socialism theme going on here where, or at least anti-capitalism theme, which also resonated with me as a child, I suppose. <laughs> um, it's really good. There's one character, I don't want to spoil it in case anybody does have the ability to go out and, f- I don't know how anybody would find this game nowadays. I don't know how much it's selling for on, like, eBay or Amazon or whatever. But if anyone can, I definitely recommend playing it for yourself if you're interested in it thus far. There's one character who's, like, the hooded mysterious character who is very good, kind of the Gino of this game, and I love them dearly. I won't go further into the details of the plot but it's surprisingly deep for what the rest of the game is which is essentially it's admittedly a little bit repetitive in that it's just you design creatures and do the quests and battle people but it's so much fun i really do love it uh real quick because i have now been googling it like as we're sitting here you can get it for 30 bucks on amazon (laughs) i i would recommend it if you've got the ps2 it is a fun game But yeah, that's really interesting that, like, what you've described is, like, this very cartoony, and especially with, like, the Studio Ghibli art, like, very anime world, and then for it to then delve into these, like, very serious plot points and topics um, in a game that is basically about trying to smash together some polyhedrons to make something that vaguely looks like a creature is just 
fascinating to me. I'm sort of like stuck on this this idea that like why this ever got traction because it sounds like from what you've described it sounds amazing. That's a good question and I definitely didn't know like the politics of the game market as a child at all. Like I don't know whether it was bad marketing or no marketing. I know Katamari wasn't marketed at all but it became a huge hit by coincidence. I don't know. The review scores I'm looking on Wikipedia now. The review scores are like okay to good. I want to say on average like an 8.5, which seems pretty solid. I don't know why it never caught on. I guess they just really didn't push it much anywhere. It's not like Taito was like a well-known developer at that point anyway, I suppose. They were eaten by Square Enix two years later after it released in the US. It did get a sequel, I should mention. A year later, it got a sequel called Graffiti Kingdom, which I own as well. And while I've heard more about that game online because it has a more robust editor, I was not as big a fan of it. In fact, I've played very little of it because it had a much uh, more like goofy and like lighthearted tone with like one-liners and stuff. And I was like, this is not the same. I can't. While the, I'm sure I would love that for another series, it just didn't at all strike the same chord with me. And it was like a 3D platformer instead as well, where you were just like designing your character and how they can move around if memory serves, which I'm sure is also great, but it, it didn't have what hooked me with Magic Bangle, which I guess leads me into why I picked this. I've never seen anybody talk about this. Now, I've not looked out for it either. There might be like a very small dedicated Reddit somewhere to it. And if there is, good on you all for keeping it alive. But part of why I love that this game, or not part of why I love this game, but something I've grown to appreciate about it as I've gotten older and never found anybody who knew it is that the gaming world is really, really negative. Like it's harshly negative. And if there's a game you love out there, there is somebody else who hates it and hates that you like it. And the <laughs> fact that this game gets no attention is just kind of a little like haven for me that I could just love this game full heartedly and not feel guilty the way I feel guilty for loving like Sonic Adventure and even like big ones that everybody seems to love. Like Mario, I talk about loving Mario Odyssey and somebody links me to the same two hour video about why Mario Odyssey is a terrible game every single time. And it's, <laughs> it's so frustrating. I just want to enjoy things. It's not nice to have something that people don't care about so much that I'm able to enjoy it so freely. Even uh, Robopon was a Game Boy game, which was essentially a robot Pokemon. It was a collectible monster game featuring robots, and I loved it. And there's a hundred YouTube videos on it about how, oh, look at this Pokemon ripoff. What a joke. And it's a fun game. And they, they had unique stuff. And even if it was similar to Pokemon, I like games that are similar to Pokemon. <laughs> so Magic Pangle, honestly, I wouldn't have even phrased it as a collectible monster game until I was really thinking about it for this episode of the podcast. I was like, oh, shoot, it's one of these. But it seems so removed from that. Hopefully people wouldn't just be like, oh, it's the same again. There aren't genres. There are only copies. <laughs> I hope everyone can find a game for themselves where it's like, only they know about it and they love it because it's a really great feeling to have something, my little secret, this weird PlayStation 2 game in a sea of weird PlayStation 2 games. It's kind of like having a, um, a book that you pull on your bookshelf and then the secret door opens or something, you know, there's this feeling of having something that other people have not discovered has its own kind of joy to it. Even if what's behind the door is maybe something that you want to share with other people, which is of course why you're on this podcast, I imagine, and didn't, didn't say like, no, I'm keeping this game 
to myself. Well, I figured it's time for me to give back to the world and introduce you all <laughs> to Magic Pendril because I, I should hope that your, you and your listeners would not be like, oh, this is bad. Stop liking this. I figure this is a pretty <laughs> positive place to come and talk about it. Well, and it's interesting too. I think a lot, like I, I think everyone has like different types of like media or like things that are important to them where there are the things that you want to tell everyone about. Like there's the things where you're like, oh my God, like you have to read this book. You have to play this game. You have to listen to this podcast. Like I, I need to share this with people. I need to like evangelize it. And then there are things where you're just like, oh no, this is, this is mine. And maybe I'll share it with a few people if I think they're going to get it. But like, I want to like, hold on to it. Like there's something about it that feels like very precious. And like the way you're describing it, it's like, it's this, you've this little safe haven that you can go to and you like, don't want it to get like trampled over, you know, like, because there's a, there's a big risk of like sharing stuff like that. Is that thing of like, someone might say, oh, that's stupid. And it's like, oh, I just made myself vulnerable. And you're just like running right over it. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. And I do want to specify it's not like a gatekeeping thing. If somebody comes up to me and is like, oh, this seems interesting. I want to get into it. Or, oh, I like this game. I'm not going to be like, oh, well, you're not a real fan. You weren't there in 2002 <laughs> when it released in Japan only. Like, no, I, 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 I welcome everyone who is interested in this game to get it if they have $30 to spare, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I certainly would love a small community to share in with this game. But I, you know, the fear of vulnerability when so much of being online and liking video games is being told that my opinions are terrible it is something that is rough. I'm curious because you had said before that you kind of don't finish many JRPGs. So like, is there something about this game in particular that like really like a specific element about it that sort of pushed you to want to continue and like play through the whole thing versus being like getting like maybe five, you know, five or 10 hours in and being like, all right, I've got it. I'm good. Yeah, I think it's interesting in that the reason I don't finish JRPGs was different from when I was a kid than now. Nowadays, I don't finish JRPGs because I have limited time and I'm very tired. <laughs> Uh, and I look at, like, Dragon Quest Eleven, the newest entry in a series I adore, and how it's, like, several hundred hours long, and I'm just like, mm, that's not gonna happen in my lifetime. But when I was a kid, I didn't like finishing JRPGs because I didn't like the combat in any JRPG ever. Like, I'd intentionally avoid trainers in Pokemon, and then get to the required fight, and get my team wiped, and then just be like, well... I can't beat it. This game is too hard and stop playing or stop progressing at least and just like walk around and explore and try to like no clip, I guess, is the best way to describe it, even <laughs> though I I could not. But with Magic Pangle, I, I guess I could liken it to Smash Brothers in that it's very simple and easy to understand, but there is depth to it. So it's fun to like learn more about it and try more in it. And that's definitely something I want to go back to and experiment more with at some point because I never really got into the depth of the kid, but I was able to see like, oh, my doodle has these attacks because because I gave it like this kind of body shape and these legs and stuff. And hmm, I could maybe do something with that and like intentionally design things to be like better for the fights I'm up against. But I never did. I was just like, I want to draw this. And then I did that. And I still got through the game, which is great. It, I think it was just the ease of learning it and the fact that the battles were not boring. Every creature was new and colorful and something I'd never seen before. And I love just like having a sketchbook and draw what I was seeing from like the opponents and stuff to see if I could recreate them later. And just a genuine love for the 
story and characters, which I will admit is something I feel for a lot of JRPGs I don't finish, and a lot of games I don't finish in general, but I don't know. I've never been good at video games, is something I genuinely believe, and so a game that I can finish definitely is one I'm going to enjoy. Play like, uh, even non-JRPGs. I'll play like a Donkey Kong Country. I'll be like, oh, this is great. I love my big furry friend Donkey Kong and his littler friend Donkey Kong with hat, and then I don't get past <laughs> World 1. Uh, we've lost Emily. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wasn't expecting. Oh, that's very good. Oh my god. Oh boy. I'm good. I'm alive. All right. So good, I, good. I do. I do have a follow up question. So, like, we've talked about what happens in the battle system when you win. What happens when you lose? Because you're you're taking your precious children right to to fight, yes. which I think was always why I, I kind of had this weird feeling about the Pokemon games. I was kind of like, wait, so I'm gonna have this adorable friend, and then I'm gonna send them to their death. <laughs> you know, like I always felt strange about about that, and I think I might have felt even weirder about it if it had been sort of my creation. Um, so what what happens when you lose the battles? Like, can you lose your creatures? That's a great question, and I felt the same way as a kid. But luckily, you cannot lose your creatures no matter what. Rather than sending them out from a Pokeball, the way that the animations for like releasing a creature and having them be defeated is is that when you send out into the battle, you set you open up a book and they like jump out from the book from like two D into three D. When they get defeated, they just kind of flatten and turn black and white again and then just go right back into the book and the book closes. It, it never registered to me as like, oh no, my baby got hurt. It's just like, oh, it's a drawing again. Gotta send out another one or I lose and I'm gonna have to redraw and come back to this tournament once I'm better prepared or strategize or something. Honestly, just seeing how the 3D models flattened was also very interesting to me. Just seeing the way the shapes changed. So it's not like, I never felt that sense of, no, my child. I mean, there was sometimes the frustration of, oh, I was so close. I almost won this one but this schoolyard bully I'm fighting has beaten me yet again. It's a gentler kind of thing than, well, Pikachu's dead now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, no. (laughs) Pikachu does not die in this game unless you, like, draw a dead Pikachu and have that animate and fight for you, which would be weird. (laughs) I don't recommend that. Oh, that's very morbid. (laughs) No, no, no. The only morbid things happen to the human characters, but who cares about humans in a collectible monster game? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, I am definitely curious about the world surrounding this because it sounds like it's, you know, this battle system is much gentler, but it sounds like the world is much darker than you would expect from a similar or comparable game. So we know, like you said, that that you fight for your neighbors who are maybe going to lose their land and that there's this this monarchy that eventually maybe steals all of the color from this world. But is there kind of like a story arc to this universe? Like there is there a set story path of any kind? Yes, there is. So just to give you a bit deeper kind of elevator pitch, the reason that these two children who you're helping are in, you know, we're going to lose the farm. The reason that's going on is because the king of this monarchy has been having all the greatest artists, which I think they just call doodlers, the people who create doodles, <laughs> which I hope is the case. I hope I'm remembering that correctly. That he, you know, having all the greatest doodlers come be a part of the monarchy to like draw doodles for the king. And I, I don't remember well enough, maybe like to fill up the army or whatever. I don't remember exactly why I was a child, but these two, their father, I think his name is Galileo, actually. He runs away to not have to serve the king and his empire, leaving the children behind. He's gone missing and so until anybody could find him or until the kids give up where he is which is not something they actually know the king and the monarchy are making their lives absolute hell but in the most like you know within the boundaries of the law as possible they're not like outright like holding a gun to their heads they're just like all right well we're going to repossess your land it's a lot of red tape and so they don't know where their father is they've been sending like little messages and bottles into the ocean for oh couple i guess years now since he's gone missing or however 
however long, probably longer than a few years. The whole game takes place on an island, too, which I guess I should mention. That's why the game world itself is so small. Again, the game is very dark, but everything is vibrant and beautiful. It's just the, the tone of the game is more melancholy. I, I guess dark is not even the right word. It's just a weirdly, like, sad, nostalgic, but still very co- colorful and vibrant mood to everything that happens. Like, the game starts with the father being missing, and that just sets the mood for the rest of it. Sure. <laughs> Where's our sure. dad? The island has a beautiful town on it. There's the little farm home base you have with these two human characters whose names i believe are zoe and taro and then there's a little dock where you can do training battles or there's the tournament arena where you could fight in the big tournaments and then there's this giant tower reminiscent of the last guardian just in the middle of the island which is where the kingdom is so yeah i the story there is absolutely progression throughout the story as you go through it more characters come and are involved people who know where the father might be uh somebody who answers the messages there's an element of like how much do we trust all these people like who is working with the government and who actually it genuinely knows what they're talking about are we being deceived it's a weird colorful world and i adore it and it's characters very greatly what progresses the game is still you winning the tournament there's never like side quest oh collect eight of these beetles in the forest there's nothing like that it is very i guess monster rancher is the closest thing i can equate it to in that it really is a lot of just raise your creature go do some battles and see the story unfold but you know whom you're battling against in the tournament and what happens after each tournament is and why you're even in the tournaments which is usually to get more colors so that you could survive longer it all is tied together to this main plot which does near the end of the game take you in some different like it breaks the usual like pattern but i will not go into that part basically as the hero of this game you are an artist like making your monsters and you are by trade an artist. So, like, do you feel like this game affected you, like, in any way? Rather, like, does it still, like, influence your art now? Or, like, at that young age, did it influence you at all? Uh, that's a great question. I definitely was already an artist before I got into this game. I think that's why I took to it so well. And a lot of the game is cel-shaded, which is not something I've ever been able to recreate. But I suppose my art has a bit of a cel-shaded look to the way it's shaded. But I wouldn't, I don't know if that's directly related to this. I think if anything, I've tried to, or I've wanted to recreate the environments from this game, or like the feeling I get from them, uh, whenever I can. But I'm terrible with backgrounds. So my, like, <laughs> wanting to recreate them is, like, limited to my experience in, like, Minecraft and Dragon Quest Builders in terms of, like, literally recreating. <laughs> creating things. I don't know. I guess it might have had an impact on the stories I've told just because I love the colorful world with more serious situation going on very much and not in a way of like, oh, what if Pokemon is actually very dark and gritty? It's not like that. It's still very, the colorfulness, the energy is still very positive. It's just a, like I keep saying, a weird melancholy I cannot quite describe and I don't know if I've ever really felt something like it in anything since. And while there's no like intentional effort on my part to recreate that or to make that happen in my own work i think it's definitely something i wouldn't shy away from if i felt i could do you think that the experience of being an artist is anything like battling uh, continually to level up Um, yes get more colors (laughs) yeah i only work with like 15 colors right now i would really love a 16th color i I really i don't have any greens it sucks i can't draw environments no um 
<laughs> yeah, I guess it's analogous to that in some ways. I definitely feel like I'm always learning as an artist and always growing. I can't go back to my art like a year ago without being like, ah, the recent like, your art at the start of the decade and at the end of the decade. I'm like, oh, I don't think I even was doing digital art a decade ago. So I have nothing to show for that. And if I did, I wouldn't want to see it. But you did unlock legs. So, right. Yes, I have legs now and I could draw legs. That's a good point. Just learning to draw the human anatomy is something I absolutely <laughs> feel like I've had to unlock one part of a time. I don't know how hip hips work still. They're usually covered up, so I don't think about them too much. Uh, but I've learned to draw hands and stuff. Have you learned wiggly bits yet? Because... Oh, I, I, I draw wiggly bits. That okay, sounds, great. That sounds not appropriate. I, I know how uh, to draw yeah. wiggly bits. <laughs> My apologies to all of you listening. So the other thing that I wanted to ask was that, like, do you have any desire to revisit this game at all? Or is this kind of one of those things where it's like, you've had the experience, you can kind of like put it on the shelf, it's done. Like, or you do, or do you want to like go back and replay it and like have those or different experiences with this game again? I absolutely want to go back and replay it, especially now that I'm like be a better artist and a better game player. Like I can like learn the systems more, the deep, the depth to them. And were I not constantly just busy to the point of exhaustion, I absolutely would. In fact, just, it's not something I've thought about in years. When you asked me to come up with something for this episode it was like one of the first things I was just like oh Magic Pangle I have not thought about Magic Pangle in maybe seven years it's like whoa that's that's weird why are you here Magic Pangle it's been a while <laughs> and now I'm just like I want to like go play it right after this like I, I miss this game it's absolutely something I would play through again I'd love to see I don't want to say how it holds up because again that has like a negativity to it that I, I'm not a fan of I'm a very positive person my experience with it as a child will always be what it was and as valid as it was and while I'm sure the game has flaws I didn't notice as a kid that's not what I'd be replaying it for. I just want to see what sort of new experience I could have with it as a better artist and a, someone who would like to remember the story quite a bit better than I do right now. <laughs> and even just to, like, be in that world again. Like I said, I, I the environments are so, at least to me personally, visually interesting and somewhere I'd really love to be just to go and play in the game again. And even though I can't no-clip into the cooler parts, maybe if I try harder, I can. <laughs> There's always a, another goal to strive for, and in That's this right. case, it's breaking the game. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised that you had not thought about this game in so long, because I, I didn't expect that you would say that you had played it when you were so so young, necessarily, because people certainly struggle to pick a topic. It seems like it usually takes them kind of a long time to scrape off all of the layers to get down to that kind of deeper set nostalgia. And I, I also think it's interesting that you have nostalgia for a game that had like Studio Ghibli involvement because I think when you were saying earlier about that kind of melancholy that's difficult to pinpoint I always thought of it as like a nostalgia for some world that never existed you know they always sort of have these environments that are not really based on real places or real times but you still have that kind of nostalgic feeling of oh remember when it was like that and then you're like wait no that's not right <laughs> this didn't exist and I have now forgotten what my question was going to be at the end <laughs> of that now I'm lost in nostalgia <laughs> it's terrible <laughs> but just on your point I, I learned that it was like worked on by Studio Ghibli about an hour and 30 minutes ago when I was pulling up the <laughs> Wikipedia page to refresh myself on this game. I never realized that, but looking back on it, like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, it, it looks like it could be a Ghibli world. All, like, the official art for the game is done in this beautiful watercolor. I think Ghibli movies might honestly be the closest thing I can think of to having the mood of this. Like you're saying, just that interesting, not quite reality. Nostalgia baked so deeply into it that it feels nostalgic on the first time through. 
Yeah, well, and I was also thinking, like, what you like what you were describing was really giving me those, like, things of, like, Spirited Away, where which, like, looks, like, kind of on the surface. Oh, it's a cartoon, and oh, it's an adventure. And then, like, when yeah. you, like, kind of take a minute, you're like, oh, my God. Like, wow, this is, <laughs> this gets pretty heavy in some, in some areas. And definitely has, like, what you've described definitely feels very similar in vibe to that. Yeah, I, I think it is. I think you're definitely onto something with that. And I just want to say one extra amendment to what I've said before. I haven't thought about the game in like seven years or whatever, but I have listened to the soundtrack. I listen to the soundtrack <laughs> regularly enough. It is phenomenal, and it fills me with that pure nostalgia injected directly into my ears every time I'm listening to it. I have a related question that is a hypothetical, so it's a little difficult to answer. So we were discussing earlier why this game maybe didn't quite catch hold in, in the U.S. and presumably not really in Japan either. Do you think if you had discovered this game as an adult that you would have been as interested in it? Or was this something that specifically appealed to child you that you think might not work now? That's a good question. I think I would have still been interested in it. Now, I wouldn't know all the depths to it. I wouldn't have been able to tell you, like, oh, it's this, like, weirdly deep and melancholic experience. I would have been like, oh, a collectible monster game where you make your own monsters? That sounds like something I'd at least want to try. But I think, like a lot of games I'm interested in nowadays, like, I, I would never actually get around to it myself. I'd just be like, oh, this is great. I love Untitled Goose Game. Look at this wild goose <laughs> going around. I'll never play it. I have to, like, <laughs> do things. But I wish I could. But it's just not in the cards for me. And every so often one of those games comes around where then later I'm like, no, I, I am going to play it. And then I seek it out and get it. I don't know exactly where Magic Pendulum would fall. It, it's so weird. <laughs> it's it's so hard to determine. I'm just looking at the box right now. It's so hard to determine exactly what you're going to get with this game just looking at the cover. But I hope I would. I hope that adult Skylar would still find a way to pick it up and just go back and play through this game for the first time if I hadn't as a kid. I don't think what I loved about it as a kid was exclusive to me being a kid. I fully expect to love it again when I play through it again. And I hope anybody listening to this who is, like, feeling like they missed out on something does go ahead and try it for themselves. Uh, especially, like, compared to Let's Plays. I don't know if there's a Let's Play of this game that exists anywhere. I've not looked into it. And I feel like if there is, it might not be the most positive one, just because of the nature of people and games. But I feel like this game is one you're really missing out on if you're not playing for yourself, just because the attachment you get to these creatures by making them on your own is very different than watching somebody else play it. Yeah, you sort of answered, and typically we ask near the end of the, sh the show, like, if you had to give your elevator pitch to, uh, like, for whatever you brought, like, how would you do it? And you've sort of already, like, you sort of done that. So congratulations on, <laughs> on skipping ahead to Thank you, to, thank you. To yeah, that I did my situation. research. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. So I don't know if I have anything else. Um, and do you have another question or perhaps yeah. another hypothetical? <laughs> I want to ask about a sequel. If there was a sequel, what you might change or do differently but there kind of was a little bit of a spiritual successor sequel to this game so i'm not sure if that question's relevant graffiti kingdom is a definite sequel that's the name of it by the way graffiti kingdom it has got a completely different name uh i'm gonna quickly just look up i feel like that has a much more a much bigger install base yeah it seems to or not install base but there seems to be more people playing it but yeah i'm just looking at screenshots and it's so different it's so vastly different although the things people make are a lot more detailed i definitely i think if i were to make a sequel to magic pendul specifically like magic pendul 2 i'd take the more robust editor that graffiti kingdom has and then just otherwise kind of up the ante the way that later monster ranchers would do it or the way most collectible monster games would make sequels in that i would keep it a collectible monster game and maybe add gosh i don't even 
know if there was an elemental system, but maybe you could have, like, elemental systems based on, like, the colors you pick or something, and, and have the world be a little bit larger and more places to explore. Maybe, maybe there's different tournaments in different towns you have to go to. There are, I don't know, I want to say, like, wild doodles, like, roaming the lands <laughs> in between that you could, like, battle against, but I don't want it to become too much like the other collectible monster games, because, again, I didn't even recognize it as one for most of my life. I'm not entirely sure what I would do. It's kind of fine on its own. I think rather than a sequel, I'd give it like an HD remake and better the controls and editor. But otherwise, I don't think it really needs too much more than that. I love sequels. I love things like coming back in new ways, but I really don't. I really feel like this is such a fine, isolated experience on its own that until I were to see how it could be done as a sequel better, I'm fine with just Magic Pangle being its weird, forgotten to history self that I still love and still can love in its current form. I have one last question, which I have saved until the end because there may not be an answer. Since this was this was a very long time ago and you were quite young at the time, do you remember any of your monsters? I remember two of my monsters. One of them was unique to Magic Pendle, which I believe was just a big oval, just the biggest oval me and my dad could make with the color we had, with like a oh big God. beefy arm coming out the side. Oh I don't remember gosh. what we named him, but I do remember him wiping a couple of the tournaments in the middle of the game for us. Oh, it was like, oh, yes. the bigger they are, the more health they have. Okay, hold on. Let's make a big fleshy blob and just see how far we go. And then we did. And then we just kind of, as we progressed, make another, like fill the entire box up with color and like, does this work? And it did. And then giant <laughs> ovalish cube, our horrific pet rock in the worst way, would just come through and win fights until we got to like things that used good magic and then we were completely wiped out. That's one of them now that I'm thinking about it. And then the other one I could think of uh, was named Bubbly. And it's just a creature I've been drawing since I was three-ish as kind of my first fake mon, quote unquote which has kind of become the mascot of everything I do kind of on the sidelines. And so, of course, I recreated it in Magic Pangle as best I could. I could still very vividly close my eyes and picture, like, it walking around in, like, the home base area, which is another nice thing. The creatures you made, you'd actually see them animate, I think it was one at a time, just kind of walking around your quote-unquote farm when you're not battling. But yeah, I definitely want to go back, maybe even tonight, and just, like, look at the other ones I've made and just laugh and enjoy them and see what, how well I remember them. <laughs> you have to send us screenshots if you do that. I will see what I could do with my <laughs> PS2. Well, Skylar, thank you so much for like sharing your little video game island with us. Um, this was a delight. Thank you. I'm so glad I got to be on and talk about it. I really appreciate this. Where can people find you online? Um, is there anything that you want to plug? Uh, this is your space, so please feel free to use it. Okay, thank you. If you're interested in me as a person and are curious to see the art that I make, my personal slash art Twitter is at Hetriasky, which is H-E-T-R-E-A-S-K-Y. Hetria is the name I've given to the fictional world where all of my stories and games and comics and whatnot take place, and so that's why it's in the name there. And then to see more about, like, the bigger projects I make, such as my currently ongoing interactive comic and, like, the Real Play podcast I've done in the past, there is a different Twitter account called Hetria Official, H-E-T-R-E-A Official, or one word, and that is where you can find all that. And there's also my art involved in that, of course, but, uh... I guess those are really the main places I am right now. I've got a couple YouTube channels, one for art, one for games, one for official stuff, but those are all linked to from my Twitter accounts. So if you are curious to see like what has come from me ever since playing this game, that's where you, that's where to look. And uh, yeah, that's my plugging. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much again. This was yeah, great. Thank you. Thank you. 
thanks for listening to Guilty Treasures. You can follow us on Twitter at TreasuresCast. If you have questions or comments, hit us up there or at our email, guiltytreasurescast at gmail.com. Or create a doodle inspired by this episode and battle it in our honor. If you have a moment, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts like Arlone recently did. Thank you, Arlone. Or plant your review flag in the podcatcher of your choice. And if you like the show, tell a friend. Or keep battling away until you have enough colors to accurately represent how you feel. Until next time, let the dragon in your heart be happy. Happy.